90% of 65 and older individuals want to stay in the home that they're currently living in. And that a simple putting up a handrail or painting of their house will keep them there for another five years. This is From Paint to Purpose, a podcast by FCP Services, where we believe people drive growth. Exploring topics related to company culture, leadership, and construction industry insights. Now your host. Welcome everybody. Today's From Paint to Purpose guest is Randy Preble. Randy, Hi, thank you, thank you so us. much for coming. Ah, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It's a pleasure having you. Um, can you tell us a little about what you you do and what you do at Hearts and Hammers? Yeah, so Hearts and Hammers is a nonprofit. We help low-income, senior, disabled, and dis- and veterans or surviving spouses do exterior rehabilitations on their home so they can stay safe and continue living in them. Um, I'm the executive director, so I get to kind of do it all. I get to wear many hats and I get to work with our volunteers. I get to meet our homeowners. I get to meet our donors. So I kind of get all the the best of all the worlds of here at Hearts and Hammers. Yeah. Um, is this the first nonprofit you've worked for? No, it's not. So I've kind of spent most of my career um, in the nonprofit world. I started out helping individuals with more financial coaching. So after they would go delinquent on a mortgage, how do they get kind of out of that? And how do they continue to live in that home? And then I went and worked at an assisted living and memory care and watched individuals move in there, um, spending their entire life savings because they couldn't take care of their home. So when I found out about Hearts and Hammers, it kind of married these worlds perfectly together. And it's extremely rewarding to watch our community come together to come out and help individuals stay in these homes, um, as most of them don't have the income to be moving out of it. I know you had mentioned our um, your mission statement. Um, with a mission statement like that, um, what when what do wins look like? Wins look like keeping someone there. Um, one of the things that I, I love doing the most is every few years I send out letters to past homeowners just to see if they need anything else, and seeing how many homeowners are still there is a win. Um, Simple home improvements for most of our homeowners could keep them there for five more years. And it's as simple as putting up a railing and that can keep them there. So knowing every few years you get to kind of look back and retouch with these homeowners and knowing that we kept them there um, safe is, is a win. Definitely. And speaking about wins, do you have any favorite projects? I do. So one of my favorite projects was an individual. He was a World War II vet. Um, He was on one of the islands in the Philippines when the war ended. And the story that he told me was one day he was enemies with these individuals and the day after they were becoming friends and meeting him and learning his life story. When he came back from the war, he bought the lot that he was on for $200. Wow. Laid every brick from his home, mm-hmm. built it from scratch, built it with his own hands, and he's still there, and he's 98 years old, and we got to go in and, and preserve it to keep him there a little bit longer, and those are the stories that I love hearing. Do you get volunteers from um, people that you've helped at Hearts and Hammers? Yeah, sometimes. We definitely do. Um, is 
coming out, coming back, um, coming into our into our warehouse. Actually, we have we have one of our past homeowners that comes in and volunteers for us weekly, just doing some administration stuff. So we see that we also get small donations from some of our homeowners, which mm-hmm. is so touching because you know the smallest amount that they're giving us is so meaningful to them, and it means so much to us to, to know that we've helped them that that small donation for them is is a huge for us. I know last year was a huge um, challenge for all of us. Um, can you tell me what challenges came up for an organization like yours? Yeah, so when March hit and it felt like the whole world stopped, so did we. Um, we highly depend on our volunteers. We have about 2,000 that come out for us each year. And in March, we didn't know if we were going to have any. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know where our funding sources were going to come from. And we had to make some really hard decisions to make sure that we kept our lights on. But we came out okay. We we found that our community is is stronger than I think I even realized. Um, so we did have to delay some of our programs. We typically start at the beginning of June. Um, we had to start in about mid-August, but we still got 21 homes done. And I think if you would have asked me in March, I would have been like, there's no way we're even getting one done. And we got 21. And that was thanks to the strength of our supporters and the companies that support us and our volunteers. And it's touching to know that even in the world that we were living in, the unknown, the, the tragedies that were happening around us, people still wanted to come out and do good in our community. I know that um, a couple of the board members are in the construction industry. How has that definitely, I'm assuming it helped a lot, especially it's like during the pandemic. Um, Yeah, no, that, that was crucial for us when we were trying to figure out our protocols on how do we get volunteers to come out? Cause we had volunteers say that they wanted to, how do we keep you safe? How do we keep our high risk homeowners um, safe during all of this and the our board and our 10 minds that were on there they they made it happen they got those protocols down we actually went out as an organization and did a home first it was in about mid mid to late june we're like all right we have these protocols we think they're gonna work let's see let's test them and if we don't feel safe as hearts and hammers and the people that are closest to us as the board don't feel safe doing this we're not we're not taking the risk for our volunteers and it went smooth and it went good and it was thanks to our board nice i see that you have a golfing event coming up what other projects are you working on now yeah so our golf event is coming up on june 10th at majestic oaks um and other than that we have just our home projects that are going to take place in the summer looks like we're going to be doing about 55 homes this year which we're really excited about um so we have 12 of them going in June and then kind of the rest spread out. And then we do have our annual gala that we're working on planning that's going to come up in October. So a little ways away, but Mm -hmm. hopefully things will continue to open up and we can we can pull off a great gala in October. Um, Being the executive director and having a whole bunch of hats, um, what is the biggest challenge you have as a director? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, my biggest challenge, I think, is just keeping all the balls in the air sometimes, is just making sure that our volunteers are getting what they need, um, our homeowners are getting what they need, and making sure that our funding sources are still coming in, because without funding, we 
we can't complete our mission. Um, so I think it's just that. That's probably my biggest challenge sometimes is just making sure that everything continues to move forward. Yeah, that's that's very <laughs> true. <laughs> just keep moving forward. How do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things? Yeah, uh, there's multiple ways. I try to keep up with the housing industry and just what's going on with it. Um, how our Minnesota population is aging as well, though we do other populations other than just seniors. It is our biggest population that we serve. So trying to keep up on all of that information, as well as being a part of different local co coalitions or national coalitions, just to make sure that I know what's going on and continue to push hearts and hammers forward. Um, during the pandemic, did you get, um, did you have the possibility to help outside of, you know, what your usual is, um, with the armed forces and senior livings and disabled individuals? We didn't, we did stick with our mission and serve, mm -hmm. just continue to serve our senior disabled individuals and, and veterans. Um, we're constantly evaluating our mission, seeing if it needs to expand, seeing mm -hmm. what we need to do to change it, to make sure that we're serving the Twin Cities and the 7 Metro um, to the best of our ability. And right now we are we are sticking with those, thinking that those are the highest risk populations that, that need our help the most right now. Nice. Who has been your biggest supporter, mentor, role model in the course of your career? I would say um, his name is Danny Garcia Velez. He was my supervisor at the Homeownership Preservation Foundation, the, the first nonprofit that I got to work at. And he showed me that there needs to be a work-life balance, I think was the, my biggest problem kind of coming into my career. <laughs> I had these ambitions to do so much and he taught me so much so quickly um, that I think he really pushed my career forward. And I can thank him for being able to sit here um, running Hearts and Hammers and doing what I do. Why do you think having a work-life balance is important? Um, the burnout. It gets, it gets hard, especially I have two kids at home and I want to make sure that I can push my career forward because it's very important to me to have this um, kind of passionate and ambitious career, which I get here at Hearts and Hammers, but then also being able to go home and decompress and be with my husband and my kids. So I think it's having that balance makes it easier to do what I do at Hearts and Hammers to know that I can put it down, walk away from it and come back with a clear head. Yes. I agree with that. Um, <laughs> mental health, especially, super important. So taking that time and just reflecting on yourself, and it just for me, it just helps you know process everything that happens <laughs> throughout the day. Yes. Um, what is an example of a mistake or failure that you experienced, and how do you keep your team from making it? Um, I think the biggest one at Hearts and Hammers that I can think of was. A few years ago, um, we had a, a grant that we get almost every year, and there's deadlines with grants, and I wasn't, I guess, paying close enough attention, and I missed the deadline, um, and that was a huge funding source for us, and it was one of those moments where I'm like, what are we, what are we going to do? So I reached out to the, the foundation, and I asked a bunch of questions, and Luckily for us, they had another deadline later in the year. Actually, almost worked out better for us timing-wise. Um, 
And I think that one made me take a step back and kind of refigure out my organization on how I was going to keep those. But then also making sure that I talked to my team about it. What are you struggling with it? Where where are you having a hard time organizing or keeping your time? Or where is your work-life balance? Do you have it? Are you are you happy here? And I think allowing them to know that taking a day off or having a break is huge. It's what's going to keep you from potentially making those mistakes because coming back with a clear head uh, is easier to keep things in line than when you're overwhelmed or stressed out. I definitely agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give someone um, that wants to have a career like yours? Um, I would say that compassion and empathy is going to be your biggest asset kind of working your way through the nonprofit world. It is it is one of those careers that you're going to meet people of all walks of life and being able to empathize and learn from them and learn from their life is what's going to push you forward and then also the mission or the organization. Learning our homeowners, learning where they like to go, where they hang out, where they get their information from is what's going to propel us forward. So I think it's just taking the time to take a step back and really embrace the work that you're doing. What are some best practices um, for growing a community so that they can help uh, an organization like Hearts and Hammers? I think it's showing the impact that they have. We get the feedback from our volunteers and our team captains that you know, our homeowner was so grateful. They started crying after they were done. They were talking about how they couldn't have done this without us. And I think it's just showing the impact that you have for the smallest items. Going out and doing landscaping on a homeowner's home that can't do it themselves means the world to them. Mm-hmm. Almost all of our homeowners are so proud of their home and they've lived there for many, 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 many years and they want to stay there. And they're, they don't want to watch their home deteriorate either. So having the little bit of help that we can provide, um, I think, really changes their course of their being proud of their home and where they can continue to live. And allowing and having our volunteers be a part of that, I think, shows the impact of community on the smallest things can go the farthest. I definitely agree with that. Sometimes we um, are in such a hurry that we don't like that cliche, what is it? <laughs> Stop and smell the roses, but it's right. so true, especially when it, um, you're trying to get a community involved. Absolutely. Um, what are some obstacles that someone might run into when um, creating a nonprofit like Hearts and Hammers? Yeah, I think a few different ones. One is making sure that your mission is unique and that there isn't other nonprofits already doing. I personally don't think that the nonprofit world should be competitive. We're all out trying to do things together and better our community. And the more that we work together as nonprofits and as companies inside of our community, the better we can can push forward. And I, so I think it's that. Um, also funding. Funding can be very difficult at times and especially here in Minnesota where we're very philanthropic and there's a lot of nonprofits, figuring out where your funding sources are going to come from can be difficult. But once you get a strong backing here in Minnesota, you can, you can do great things. Um, what are some suggestions you have for um, businesses in the construction industry to get more involved in the community? Yeah, I think it's just finding what 
pulls on their heartstrings. If it is an organization like Hearts and Hammers to be able to come out and volunteer, or if it's nothing inside of the construction world and it's what your employees care most about. I think it's finding what your employees care about, where your employees want to be involved in the community, as well as where do your values and your opportunities with the construction world want to lie and finding that organization and, and going with it. And I think that's just going to better our community all around as people figure out what, how they want to be involved with our community. Um, how can our listeners connect with you online? Yes. Um, so you can connect with us through our website at heartsandhammers.org um, or you can always call us at 651-636-0797. Can you tell us more about the upcoming events? I know um, one of them is the ninth Annual Golf. How has that um, how has that historically happened or been have been successful? Yeah, in so the past eight years. <laughs> our golf event is one of our more successful events. It's one of our bigger events. Um, and this year it seems to be even a little bigger. I don't know if the pandemic made more people interested in golf because it was something safe that they could do, or if it's that itch to reconnect with everybody. But we are seeing a great turnout for our golf event. We do still have spots available. Um, but it, it'll be a great event. It'll be a fun day. Let's hope for great weather. Um, but it's always a good event for us, and people enjoy coming out and golfing and learning a little bit more about us. What's been your favorite about events like that? Just connecting with different individuals. Um, sometimes with our volunteers coming out on homes, I don't get to meet all of them. But at the golf event, I get to stop and talk to more individuals, hear their stories about Hearts and Hammers, when they've gotten to volunteer, the homeowners that they've gotten to meet. And I think that's that's always great to hear. That's why they keep coming back is the way that they feel connected with us. Do you have any advice um, on how to have a successful event for other nonprofits? Have a great committee. It takes okay. more than one. Um, <laughs> so our board is really great about that too and getting different companies involved and, and finding other people to help kind of organize and plan it. And then for us with the golf event, it also is the course. Um, Majestic Oaks up at Ham Lake has been fabulous to work with and they really help us out in getting it planned and run smoothly. Um, you're talking about your committee. How do you choose the correct people to make sure you have a successful event like the golfing that they're passionate and they want to be there especially with volunteers you want them to be there um, and you you want them to want to be there so it's it's asking a lot of times with our board it's it's asking if you want to be a part of this event or that or where do you feel that you can make the biggest impact inside of our organization and they find that with us and that's what makes the great committee is that they want to be there and that's the way that they want to put their sweat equity into hearts and hammers i was kind of wondering um like why like what's your why behind this did you start this or what why do you feel so um strongly about this mission is there a story behind that I think, so no, I didn't start it. It was started actually by an individual named Bob Walker. He started it down in Dallas. He was a returning Peace Corps member and then moved up here to the Twin Cities and started another chapter up here. I think my why with this is kind of those merging of worlds from my career. So first starting at the Homeownership Preservation Foundation and watching individuals struggle to pay their mortgage 
And then going to that assisted living and watching very capable individuals moving in here and spending their life savings. I mean, on average, a median, like the median average of an assisted living is like 122,000 a year. And our average homeowner income is 25,000 a year. So I think it's watching these individuals that then they spend their entire life savings being in this assisted living but knowing that they probably could have stayed in their home if there was just a little bit of help. So I think it really goes with that of just knowing that, what is it, like 90% of 65 and older individuals want to stay in the home that they're currently living in and that a simple putting up a handrail or painting of their house will keep them there for another five years. I think that's the why of knowing that there isn't enough affordable housing anywhere but especially here in the twin cities and keeping someone where they are that is affordable to them is is meaningful knowing that we're helping this kind of shortage of affordable housing in a different way that a lot of people think of right we need to build more we absolutely do but if we preserve what we have we also can keep people there and keep affordable homes that way as well Well, thank you, Randy, for sharing your time with us today. We're looking forward to your events. And again, June 10th is our golf golf event. I am definitely looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit fcpservices.com. Until next time, remember, people drive growth.